Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, we are at a turning point in our season because we're done talking with young up-and-coming leaders in our industry. We're about to move on to our next phase of a career, which is going to be with peak performers. But in the middle, I wanted to stop and have a conversation about something that's been on my mind for a long time. And so this will be just kind of a standalone episode. We'll do another standalone episode in between the next turning point in our season, which is where we move from talking with peak performers to legacy makers. But in today's conversation, I am actually interviewing my sister, Christy Campbell. And you've heard Christy on the podcast before. She was on the episode last season where we had the Firetime Magazine team on and we talked about what it took to build a winning team. And what I wanted to talk with Christy about today was design, branding, and marketing. Because for me, I have learned so much from Christy over the last few years. And, and to, to give you a, a little bit of a background on how we've worked together, for probably seven years now, Christy's done graphic design and photography for me and various projects and companies that I've been a part of. And she's always had just an uncanny eye to capture the heart of what we're going after. And so a couple years back when we were starting the Firetime magazine, it was a no-brainer to ask if she would be a part of the team. And, and truly, the the brand of the Firetime magazine, I, I think, can be credited to Christy probably more than anybody else because as we're going to talk about in our conversation consistency over time equals brand. And that is incredibly true of what your company does visually. So if you're in a position as a retailer where you know marketing is important, you've had people talking to you about graphic design or branding or doing a marketing workshop, if you're a manufacturer and you're trying to figure out how do I stand out from the noise and not look like everybody else, this episode's for you. And we cover a lot of ground in the conversation. And truly, this is one of those episodes you might want to listen to twice, the first time by yourself and the second time with your team, because Christy brings some really, really cool things to the table. So with that, I'm going to get out of the way and let you hear this conversation. I have some thoughts on the back end that I will share to wrap it up. Joining me from Albany, Oregon is the creative director for the Firetime Magazine, as well as a freelance photographer and overall super mom. I'm joined today by Christy Campbell. Christy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be talking with you, Tim. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. And, you know, for, for folks who, who haven't gotten the memo yet, we are related and, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. But Christy, I wanted to talk to you today about really just design. I wanted to talk to you about branding and, and as we think about presenting ourselves to customers and even, even to team members with our, with our marketing, what are the kinds of things that we should be thinking about? And I guess to, to start out, I, I feel like. When it comes to the Firetime magazine, you've really imprinted a, a brand with it visually. And, and I know that you've done work with other companies as well. What goes into your mind when someone asks you to help them present themselves or an idea 
to somebody else? Yeah, that's a good question. There's so many different ways I could answer that and angles to look at something from. So there's not a, there's not a wrong way to do it. There's a lot of different ways that you could address that. But I think that probably the primary thing that I do is I think about what's the problem that they're solving for people so we can know what they really can be compassionately offering someone. And then um, what, what kind of feeling do they want to give their audience when they encounter their company in any form of their branding. So yeah, I think I try to narrow down those things because once you kind of narrow down their values, how they want to present themselves, how they want people to feel when they interact with them, the character they want to put forward, um, and then what solution they can really offer, then you can you can start to get somewhere um, building a foundation on the right thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I like that you talked about feeling that it sometimes gets monotonous when you think about you know companies that do a lot of advertising but like, what would you say when someone says, I don't, I don't have time to think about how my customer is going to feel in every single piece of advertising that I do? Well, I think it's going to be pretty hard to be successful because if we're not prioritizing um, caring for our customer, being compassionate and wanting to actually be helpful and to be likable, um, I don't think that you're really, you're going to have a hard time selling yourself and being liked. Once in a while, you'll have, a company that that doesn't have great character or doesn't come across um, very likable and they're successful, but oftentimes you have to slow down and really care. You you have to remind yourself that's a part of being human and how we connect with people and how people are going to like and trust you. Hmm. Okay, so I, I guess I'd like to maybe rewind back a little bit. You wrote an article for the Firetime magazine a number of months ago that was super, super good called Good Design is Simpler Than You Think. And from the time that, that we've worked together with the magazine, you've seen a lot of different marketing content and advertisements in the industry, whether it's at trade shows or in you know magazines and online and things like that. And what would, what would you say that most companies in our industry should understand about design? I would say that it can be a lot more simple than you think, that louder and more information isn't better that it's, it's a slow and steady race of consistency. And um, it doesn't mean putting all the details of what you offer out there all the time. That's not necessarily the best way to go. I, I think I see a lot in the industry that is putting out just an overwhelming amount of specs and insider language. And um, it's kind of overwhelming for the average person that doesn't, doesn't quite even know what they need. I remember in your, in your article, this really struck me. You said that we should take risks on our message, but not our design. I think it was something like that. Can you, can you unpack that idea for me? I, I, may, I may have misquoted you, but it's something along those lines. Yeah, I don't remember the exact way I said it either, but I do remember that, that concept. Um, at the end of the day, having a, a really simple design is okay if you can have a bold and powerful message. If you, you can speak strongly into what someone needs, really... I mean, kind of aggressively if you're speaking truth and it, and it needs to be heard. Um, but if you flip it, if you say a really boring message with a design that is a little over the top, that's just going to be not very appealing and kind of a turnoff right away. No one's going to listen. It's funny. I, I feel like I, I've become a much better designer just by spending time alongside you and watching you work. And I wouldn't consider myself an expert at all, but I've, I've gotten better being around you. And it's funny, like... 
the 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 line when it comes to design being really good or really bad it's so fine the more detailed and complex the design gets like the more colors you start to add the busier it starts to get it is so easy for that to look horrible like a third grader did it yeah and it's like when in doubt use less less colors yeah more empty space um, because yeah. it, and it's not that it's not that complex design can't be good, but if you aren't a hundred percent sure, make it simple because you have so much more forgiveness making it simple than overcomplicating oh, yeah. it. Absolutely, I think probably the number one um, difficulty I see for people is it being things being busy, fitting too much. Um, and I was thinking about what you said, Tim, when I was making a template a little bit ago for someone. Was there's a difference when I design a template for someone versus if I'm designing their final product. Because when I'm making a final product, I'm using, I know my skill level and I know what I can handle and the level of complexity I can make look good and still peaceful for the viewer. But if I'm going to hand a template over to someone, I don't know the skill level that their designer is coming into it with. And so I'm going to just put the guardrails on like the bumper in a bowling lane um, to make it so simple that you can't accidentally over, over busy it. All you're doing is plugging in your simple message and your photo, and that's going to be more powerful and effective. Um, than trying something too risky that is it's too busy and loud and not done well. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's why the, the, the templates that you make me have to be extra simple so that I can make sure to stay in those lanes. I feel like for you, you know, when we, when we started the Firetime magazine, I mean, none of us had a clue what, well, you maybe had a clue what you were doing. The rest of us didn't. And, and I remember for you, there was a process of finding our brand and, and you used the word consistency earlier can you talk about the process of kind of discovering the brand and what that was like? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had to learn a lot in that process too. Um, and I mean, how long the fire time magazine has been a thing for what coming up on three years or something. And so it's interesting because, um, I've learned so much as a designer to be patient with myself in the process and everyone else needs to learn this too, that developing a good brand, it takes time. And so right off the bat, you have to be okay with the, the amount of time it's going to take and the patience required, um, I really believe that consistency, slow and steady over time, is what's going to build a brand that is trustworthy and recognizable. Because that's the same way we build relationships. Um, but when it comes to how we've built, for example, the Firetime Magazine over time, I have made mistakes. I look back at things that are they're just cringeworthy to me. And I just hate singing big on the kiosk <laughs> because I'm like, this is, this is so bad. This doesn't represent our brand now. And it's not, other people don't notice, it's not that dramatic, but I'm having to learn to be kind and patient to myself that the process of developing a brand, it's going to take time and there's going to be mistakes and you learn along the way. And so that's part of the reason for needing to go slow and needing to be simple. That kind of slows down your mistakes so that um, it's not quite so painful or so fast. Um, You're going to slow enough pace where you can be evaluating as you go and move forward. And um, yeah, it just takes time because the brand that you develop becomes its own like organism. You learn it, you learn how it feels, you learn um, the personality. You know, when I, when I send out brand questionnaires for companies, sometimes the questions you ask seem really goofy. You ask things like, describe like what color would your, would be your brand's favorite color? You know, if there were other brands who would like, what other brands would be your brand's best friend? Um, you, you think about your brand as a personality and the, the feelings that it evokes and those things, they take time to develop. So yeah, I think like with our time magazine, it has been slow and steady. And I, my hope is that 
with any brand that I'm personally developing and for anyone else, that as time goes on, you know, it's a journey and you are honing and fine tuning that brand as you go to be keeping the main thing, the main thing. And you're not going to be perfect at it. Um, but you learn as you go, just like in life, how to keep your, the right values in the forefront. Yeah, I love that. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and I want to jump into some other things that you just brought up, but we've been kind of circling around brands. So we said like, it's taken a while to fine tune the brand and we're still fine tuning it and honing it. But like when you are producing the Firetime magazine in your mind, what is the brand that, what is it that people, you want people to see, feel, and expect from anything you put out with the Firetime magazine? Oh, with a fire time magazine, I want it to be bright with a lot of negative space, have high contrast and bright colors so it can speak boldly, um, but be life giving in the, the margins that it has in the negative space. One thing that you brought up is high contrast. And, and this is something I've learned from you, which is it, it blows my mind when I think about it. But like high contrast between the background color and the text visually that makes it very bold where we pay attention to it but i think it also makes the content feel more bold than than if it was just done with a medium level of contrast and in the same way like to me brightness has an element of being punchy to it versus if something is really dark and more subtle and at the same time as that negative space to me it, it kind of speaks of focus and confidence. And, and, I, and I feel like those, those things are felt as you read them. Am I, am I on the right track there? Yeah, definitely. For sure. When you have, uh, when you have text and high contrast, bright colors, it's, it's bringing your message forward with a different kind of confidence than something that's going to be in, you know, some subtle, calming blues or pastels based on what the content is of the article is going to affect the kind of color palette that I choose. Makes a ton of sense. So when, when companies come to you to help them design a, a brand, what are the things that you're thinking about? So like you talked about how this doesn't happen overnight, but what are you thinking about that is going to help shape the way that you design their colors, their slide deck, their logos, whatever it is? Well, yeah, I talked about it at the beginning, but I think about a lot of sustainability because for a company that's going to be using this content day in and day out for years to come, I think about it needing to be simple enough that it can fit for a variety of platforms and not too bold that it is going to be the main part of what people take away because I don't want the design to outshine the product or the content that they're trying to present. So I want it to be subtle, simple, and memorable and something that will, that anyone in the company at any level can know how to put in a PowerPoint, a few different elements um, so that it can really be sustainable and they can continue to use it moving forward without it getting stale, without it being too trendy so that it's not going to be cool in a year. It has to be unique enough to remind people only of them and not of the, client the customer next door but not so trendy that it's going to go out of style yeah that makes sense you you talked before about your brand being a personality i've never heard that but it's totally true like your brand it is a personality and 
you know, a, a personality is something that you, you actually piece together throughout your, your life to inter it's almost like a projection of yourself to interact with people and things like that. And, and your brand is kind of the same, the same way. So I love that question. Mm-hmm. Like if you like, who would your brand's best friend be? Like, that's a, that's a really, really good question. And you talked about consistency as well. Like one thing I've thought about a lot, and I don't know if, if I probably heard it from somebody, but I, I don't know who, but I think about this a lot. I think that when you ask what is brand, I think that consistency over time equals brand. Mm-hmm. I think it's as simple as that. Consistency over time is your brand. And of course, your brand makes people feel a certain way. But how do I create a brand? Be consistent over time. If you are inconsistent, you have no brand. You do not have a brand if you're inconsistent because people don't know how to feel, what to think. It's just chaos. And in the same way, if you got this great idea, but you're not executing it over a time period, it will not create a brand. Yeah, that's so true. You, like, you can't, no matter how great a one-off is, like a one-hit wonder from a band, it doesn't help you actually know who the band is. It's not going to help you know the company. Maybe you have one successful ad or something, but it's not going to build you over time at all. I think that... Um, Another element to that consistency, too, is you need to be consistent with um, visually what you put forth. But a big issue that I see in the industry is consistency between what the company considers to be their values and how they see themselves versus what they're presenting to the world. And sometimes there's not always an awareness that there's a difference between the two. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I think that's why probably one of the first steps when you're, if you're going to evaluate the brand and that you already have existing is to circle up as a company and think through what are our values as a company, come up with those and how do we want other people to feel about us and then take those values to the table and evaluate your brand and then say, maybe even, maybe even you happen to have branding that's pretty consistent, but does it actually represent and give people the, the correct feelings and perception of who you are as a company and make sure that those two things line up. That's going to be a way that not only will your brand be recognizable, but you become trustworthy. And when people then interact with you, when they choose you and they start to have you in their homes, it's going to, it's going to deepen those roots and help them like you even more because what they thought they saw in your branding turned out to be true and even better. Yeah. So for, for a retailer that has a website they have a store and they have service trucks. They go out to people's houses. How would you recommend connecting the visual elements of the brand between all those things? I would say colors are really important. Consistency in colors, not very many colors, and having them be really consistent. And having your logo be simple and look beautiful with those colors. There's so many logos that are outdated in the industry and are busy and even have loud colors that are competing with other colors in advertising. And I would say just narrow it down smaller than you think. Two core colors and a simple logo that can look good anywhere and just dial everything back and then make it pretty much the same everywhere. Maybe two or three logo variations so that there's some different 
um, platforms that it can work on. Sorry, Chrissy, really quick. When you say logo variations, you you mean like rectangle, square, circle, yeah. like not different logos, but just not like different variations. Logos. Yeah, you're correct. So you have your full logo with everything on it, the full title of your company, and then maybe you have one with initials to have an abbreviated version. Um, maybe you have another one that can work on letterhead, but I just say dial it back and make sure that your colors um, don't clash, are inviting and interesting. Not everything in the industry has to be the same red and orange. <laughs> and and so that makes sense with the website. It makes sense with like your 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 service truck should have your your colors on it your apparel, your shirts, you know, jackets, whatever should have those colors on them and that consistency. What would you say about showroom signage? Like, does this apply to the signage in the showroom as well to where you actually should consider making your own versus just using whatever is given to you? That's an interesting question. I tend to be someone that, as you can tell in this conversation, I think that simple is better. So I feel like for signage in your showroom, it probably is helpful to make your own but it doesn't need to be the brightest, flashiest version of all of your colors and logos because they're already inside. They know where they are. That's where I would use the subtle, uh, maybe more monochromatic, you know, small logo in the corner. So they know that you're here and we are like elevated and classy enough to make our own sign, but we're not going to be like loud and pounding you over the head with our branding when you're already inside because that's a little obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I, I think that consistency between the website and the showroom, I, I think it creates calmness when you go mm-hmm. in that it's like, I've been here before. Oh, okay. I understand it, it, there's familiarity to it. And it might sound crazy, but like that familiarity, even just mentally and visually between the showroom and the website, it, it sets you up for a more trusting experience where the customer is already starting out feeling more familiar yeah. and comfortable. Well, it does. And I also think there's trust in a different way. Um, I think there's trust because they see that you care enough and have taken the time to be cohesive and intentional with your branding. There's, as an example, there's this one heating company that I see around our town. And um, I don't know how great they are, but I, I love their trucks every time I see them. They are head and shoulders above any other one that I've seen because it just looks like someone designed it in the last five years. It looks, it's so simple. It is black and white. But it is. It looks like man. They looked at their branding and they thought this matters. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna have someone evaluate it and redo it. Even though what we've been having for 20 years works, it's worth letting people know we care about the details. And we're gonna make sure that we stay up with the times and keep things looking nice. When you care about the small details, that it builds trust because people think, well, that's the kind of company I want to work with because they care enough about the design. Um, to think that like I care about how my home design looks and if you're not even updating your trucks I can't trust that you're going to put a nice looking fireplace in my home that will match the current era yeah that's really good one, one thing I, I want to know too so if you're if you're a retailer and you've got a lot of advertising spends so like I don't know say say that you have a marketing company that you work with and they make a recommendation of well you need to do Facebook ads and you need to have an ad in this local magazine you need to have i don't know a a flyer for the real estate association whatever it is say you've got those three things right they're they're each one's very very different if they tell you well we'll just include all the graphics for you is that a wise move or or does it need to be done in-house by you 
Or if you are having someone else do it, what do you need to make sure is true and consistent about it for it to represent your brand? That's a really good question. I would say I would absolutely not think that someone else should do it without you having another eye at it. Because yeah. that's going to be huge in how that goes out and represents you. And um, so I would say it would be great if you had the ability to do it in-house. But at the very least, I would just request that you need to have a proof of what it looks like before it's finalized. But in the worst case scenario where you are not able to control it yourself, I, that's the point of having different logo versions. I would give the simplest version of your content that cannot be messed up and maybe even in one color. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, as you were saying this, it makes me think like, I know you've put this together for, for the magazine and for Wi-Fi and, and for other companies. It's been huge for me is, is brand guidelines. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, truly every retail store out there, I think has to have brand guidelines. And can you explain like, what, how do you create brand guidelines? Like what's a part of a brand guideline sheet? So essentially when I'm creating brand guidelines, I'm just getting to explain in a simple way exactly how your logo, your color scheme, your font, how they integrate into your values as a company and what they are going to subconsciously be doing for the viewer. And the thing that's exciting about this is the point of it is to be able to make it simple and equip anyone in the, in the business to be able to understand it. So anyone should be able to open this document no matter what their level of design is and be able to understand some simple things. It slows us down because we don't often think, we don't sit there and think as intentionally about, okay, why do I feel this way when I look at this logo? And so I, when I do that, I get to help explain that. Like, see how your logo has these curved lines because that is a soft feeling. So people are going to feel like you're approachable, as an example. So we go through the logo. And then I think a big part of, branding guide that's helpful is teaching things around spacing, around giving examples of of spacing. This is the amount of margin gap that there needs to be. And this is how things should be centered and giving examples of color combinations. Even if all of these colors are a part of your company's color palette, here's some examples of which colors should never go together, which colors can go together in this context and which ones go together in this context. So you give some guidelines for how to use colors and a little bit of the why. So hopefully people come away not just following rules, but they're more equipped to actually understand that it's not just a mystery um, how good design works, but um, we can understand why it comes together that way. But with that too, right, on your brand guidelines, you're going to have, these are the fonts, these are the colors, yep. but you go, you go further than that and explain the why and give examples of the how. Yeah, so we'll go through logos, fonts, colors, and even photo style of what, how your photos should look, what kind of coloring, what kind of mood should people have in your photos. So yeah, so the what, but I think a good designer will give you just a little bit of the why, because that's going to help you understand. And that's also going to equip you to be able to share that with your company so you can own this new branding that you just got more. And honestly, it makes you look good to your company because you can understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, I love that. And and it, it just makes me think too, back to that practical question of like, say that you have a, a print, you know, brochure for the real estate association, you've got your magazine ad, and you've got your Facebook ad. And maybe you don't, 
have an internal marketing person, which many companies don't, that's fine. So you're relying on someone else to do it by giving them a brand guideline. Those are the guardrails. And now there's something Mm -hmm. for them to follow because they're, they're probably good at design to some degree, but they're not in touch with what your brand is as a company. So I think that, I think those guidelines are are really, really important if, if a company hasn't done it. We'll get back to our conversation with Christy Campbell in just one second. Hey, if you've been listening to this conversation and have questions, how do I apply this in my business? What does it look like for me in this situation? I work for a manufacturer. What do I do here? Well, we want to answer those questions in the last episode of this podcast season. Now, normally we end a podcast season with me doing a Q&A episode based on questions that I get throughout the course of the season. But what's really cool is that This podcast season, we are going to have the one and only Tim Rethlake on with me to answer your questions together. Now, you've probably heard Tim on the podcast before. He is a legend and truly, he is the most thoughtful salesperson in our industry and to be around him is is a blessing. His wisdom is just incredible. Now, Tim is retiring and I'm really excited that we were able to snag him for this last episode. So if you have questions that you want answered, send me an email with that question and we will try to answer it. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. Don't wait. Send in your questions. To run us out, Christy, I'd like to finish by talking about photography. So we, we talked about branding, design, and, and, and we'll, we'll come back and land the plane here, but you have, have done a lot of photography for me, for the Firetime Magazine, for clients. Oh, I mean, really, gosh, what, for the last probably seven years or so, a long time. And I believe that most photography in our industry is terrible. And the reason why is because it's not done by the companies. Like, we just rely on a bunch of just, like, stock images that four of the same company will just Photoshop their fireplace into the same image. Um, and rather than, than beat up on how a lot of photography is in our industry, can you talk about why it's worth investing in your own photography, whether you're a retailer or a manufacturer or a distributor? Yeah, definitely. I think that, man, good photography makes all the difference. It is so striking. I love when I come across good photography in the industry. I get so excited. Unfortunately, it is more rare than it should be. And honestly, it's more rare than it is in other industries, which is really sad. But man, I feel like the majority of time I see pictures of products. The majority of the time I don't see pictures that are real and believable and have connection, people connecting in a way that I, that I think is authentic. Um, I mean, now and then you'll have, you'll have some well done post families around a fireplace. But to be honest, I don't find a lot of the photography to be really, really believable and um, maybe a little bit too formal. So I, I feel like people can really benefit from having photography that has real natural light. It looks like authentic connections, even if that means it's not the most perfect photo of your product in the center of it, to be honest, your product can be on the corner of the background. It could even be blurry and people will love it even more because they feel like, Oh, that's my living room. I can see my family experiencing that. And you care more about someone seeing your photos and feeling like it's a moment that they really desire 
um, for their family to get to live into. Um, to see a static picture of a fireplace, no matter how cool you think that the specs are on it, that doesn't um, give anyone real vision for their life. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I was debating if I should say this or not, but I'm just going to. But literally the other day, I was flipping through um, in industry magazine, and there was an ad by a, a company for an electric fireplace. And the ad had pictures of people in front of the fireplace, which normally you'd think would be good, but the photo was so obviously staged and contrived. It was not believable in any way. And And one of them had a phone, and on the phone they were on the website of the electric fireplace company. And I'm looking at this thing being like, it's almost right, but it's so unbelievable that like, I yeah, can't yeah. take it seriously. Oh man. And, and can you, what makes photography believable? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That example is so funny because in some ways it's so clever and it's so right on. You can picture the people in the meeting coming up with that idea. And in some ways yep. it's well done and it's a good photo. Um, it was a beautiful know. photo. Yeah, it's a beautiful photo, and that's really smart to, to do advertising that way. But I don't know that it's going to accomplish the purpose that you want for your audience. Um, so because yeah, so because that's it, it wasn't believable. So go back. Keep, I'm going to keep pushing. Like, what is it that makes photography believable? I I think believe believable photography all comes down to connections. I think it is. It looks like real people having real emotions and relationships connecting with each other. And I would say in real life. I think natural light as much as you can, or if it's fake natural light, um, it's just hard to explain. It just does something in us and in our hearts that we, that we connect with and um, helps paint a picture of, of the ideals that we have for our life and we want it. You, you mentioned this a little bit before, but just to, to dig down further, you mentioned how important people are in photography. It's, I'm going to point to manufacturers now. If you're a fireplace manufacturer, why is it more important to have people in your photography than your product? Not that your product can't be in it. The other day I was on a website for a, a wood stove company and there was a, a picture of a family, but there was no wood stove. And I was like, well, that's not really it because I don't know what you're selling me. But So product is important, but why is it secondary to the people? Well, it's secondary because it helps you stay in touch that the whole point is people. You are serving people. You are meeting a need in their homes. Um, you just have to care about, about people being the main point that you're solving their problem. You're as, as great as the, the product is, it can't be the hero. What, what would you, what would you say, what would you say if a manufacturer was to, to tell you, well, we've, we've got 40 different models of fireplaces. You're telling us that we have to have 40 photo shoots ourselves. No, I think it's a combination of those things, right? Like, I think you need to have photos with people in a believable atmosphere, like in front of the fireplace, even if the fireplace isn't the focal point of the photo. And then you also do need to provide the details when people are ready for the photos of each exact, of one of the 40 different, different fireplaces that you offer. You need to have both. But I think it's just about what's on the forefront. What's the first thing that is going to be able to capture someone's someone's breath when they first see your ad of like whoa that is striking that is beautiful i don't think it's going to be a stationary fireplace i think once they are moved by 
by seeing how your brand is really serving and helping people's lives. And I'll be like, cool, I'm in. Now, sh- now I want to see more. Now show me. I want to see the 40 different fireplaces that you want now. So they do go hand in hand. It's just having a balance of you need to, you should not have more pictures of stock fireplaces on your website homepage than you have of real people enjoying their life with your fireplaces. There has to be a balance yeah. in the relationship between the two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, in my opinion, I think the best plan for a manufacturer, I do believe every model they have to shoot. I think they have to shoot every model. Now, every variation of that model, your decorative fronts, your brick patterns and things yeah. like that, I, I, I think it's totally okay to, you know, Photoshop from a straight angle those different those different options. Yeah. But I, I do believe if, if you're a manufacturer that's big enough to have 40 models, you need 40 photo shoots of those models. In the same way, Toyota, they have a photo shoot for the Highlander and a different one for the RAV4 and a different one for the Avalon because that's such a big part of their company. They have to make the investment and then you can Photoshop in different colors and things like that from there. Yeah, I totally agree to not invest in that. When you think about it is it's just pretty silly. That's yeah, that's it's so big for you. You can, you can, um, you can't, it's a loss to not invest in that. Yeah. So, so let's, let's shift the focus to retailers now. Okay. So if you're, if you're a local retailer and you, and you say, well, you know, I mean, uh, the man, the manufacturer of photography you have is fine, but I want something different than my competitors. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend they do? You know, I think, I think that that just takes a little bit of creativity. I think about, um, I mean, that, that's so based on who you are and your location, what, what town or city you're in, I think it takes the creativity to think what will connect with the demographic of where I am, that they'll know that I am rooted locally. I care about the community that they're a part of and um, something that will make them desire to want to shop locally with you because of how integrated you are with where they live. But I guess for me getting really practical, I'm, I'm thinking back, I don't know how many, this, this had to have been, this had to have been six years ago when we were looking for photography for for my old store fireside home solutions and no one would volunteer to do it so we shot my family in front of our fireplace and i remember that my daughter was teeny tiny and i had to turn my head so that my face wasn't in the picture just like the back of my head was but i remember that was one model of fireplace just the one that i had in my house but i remember that we probably got seven to 12 pretty solid pictures. I think we actually yeah. might've shot my brother-in-law's house three blocks away as well with yeah. their family. But between those just two fireplaces, we got a solid 10, 20 photos that had a dog, had kids, had families. Yeah. And that was what we used for like three years. Like in anything that we had, it was just, just those two. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, yeah, I think that, I think that's so true. You can get so much mileage out of it. If you just take a little time, if you'll just have one, maybe you have a photo shoot a year. And if you have um, if you have a photographer that can help you be strategic of having a good enough variety of shots, you can use that for a long time. And it's especially important investing in because that's the content that you're going to be able to be using on social media, like on Instagram, all year. I think that's probably I would say the main reason for a retailer to be shooting their own photos because if you're shooting photos that are connected to your specific showroom, your community, you're showing your involvement in your town even just with having photos of iconic parts of your downtown or something. So people will recognize how you care and are connected. Yeah. 
you you can use those all year on your Instagram and that's going to help people feel like you have a human element and they care about you and want to support you local. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, okay. Circling back to all of this, we have, we have talked about design photography and I mean, a lot of other stuff too. bringing it back to the center of, of what is, what is a brand? It, it's our consistency over time, but what, what, what does a brand do? It makes our customer feel something and it's easy to lose sight of that in, in the chaos of the day to day. And I got to get this ad or this presentation or this architect lunch and learn put together but we can never forget about how a customer feels. And I remember in your article, we, as you were prepping for it, me and you talked and you used the concept of Sabbath, that to Sabbath is to cease. And, and that was one thing you said is, is, you know, your branding needs to know when to cease. I'd like you to talk about that. And I'd also like you to talk about is what I'm about to present or show my customer going to be good news to them. I'd like to end on, on those notes. Yeah, definitely. I, I do always think about the concept of Sabbath when I think about the simplicity of the design of your brand and of not being afraid of having empty spaces, blank spaces. I think that we all just, we need, we always are, we're crazy and we're busy and we all need more margin in our, in our days, in our routine, in our mind. Our minds are packed full of things. When we look at advertising, we're constantly getting inundated with messages. So I think that our brands, can have moments of this like Sabbath rest that we offer people when our brand slows down, it's peaceful, it's consistent. It's not, um, it's not too busy. That negative and um, blank space, people are drawn to it. It's just life-giving. Yeah. How about, how about good news? How do you think about good news for our customer? I think about good news in the way of thinking through what news you are trying to share and if it's the right news. Because a lot of time the news that we're sharing is just the wrong news. Good news is going to be identifying what our customer's problem is and then how do we actually care? How can we really provide a solution that can be helpful so we can, we can come across as being compassionate for them? That's good news is to say, I see what you're struggling with and it doesn't have to be that way. I can help you. And having a message that is lined up with what your customer actually needs and wants to thrive and address that message. You have a lot of other information that you can give them and will give them eventually. But that first connection with them needs to be really meeting them on their level with compassion and giving them a way out of the situation that they're currently in. Yeah, that's so good. And, and so often, you know, as, as an industry, we think, oh, you know, good news is going to be that this fireplace now has three log sets to choose from. And truly like that's, I mean, if, if I'm living my day to day in my life, like that's not really good news to me, you know, but if we go deeper, man, good news is that I can have a safe place for my family when the power's out. Like, no, oh, that's, that's starting to get to good news or, or even I could have a home where we feel comfortable and can, actually hang out with each other like that's good news like like good news is often it's often deeper it's at, it's at the, the level of feeling and connection and even i'm thinking about manufacturers advertising to our industry man if there's one thing that dealers have felt like for the last two years they felt alone so if you're a manufacturer and you can 
in your messaging say, you are not alone. We see you and we are here for you. That is good news for a retailer right now. And, and I think that we'd be wise to, to consider that with everybody. Yeah, that's so true. Tim, those are great examples. Well, Christy, this has been just awesome. I mean, I, I feel so uh, privileged and spoiled to be able to work with you every day and to be related to you. I, I feel like I, I just I look to you as someone who is so wise when it comes to design and branding. And you have taught me uh, a, a lifetime's worth of, of information to process. And it's just shaped the way that, that I, I try to portray things that, that I do and I'm a part of. If people want to get in touch with you for help with branding or, or, or design or anything like that, how is it that they can do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can send me an email at hello at christycampbellcreative.com and we can connect. Um, if you just have questions that you want to bounce off me or if you want to work on a project, we could we could talk about if that could be a possibility. Um, yeah, I would be happy to, to help in any way that I'm able to. Cool. Well, Christy, this has been amazing and you've given us just a ton of value. So thank you for everything. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me, Tim. I always learn so much when I process all my thoughts with you. Thanks for walking through that. (laughs) Yeah. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Christy Campbell. Now I'm biased because I'm her older brother. And so I talk to her all the time and I get to see her quite a bit as well, but truly I am so much better for having Christy in my life. And, you know, you heard me give that commentary a number of episodes back when I gave the rapid reaction to the article that she wrote, good design is simpler than you think. And there's something that's so profound in what she says. And and I, I love that she's thoughtful, but also just incredibly practical. And so as we round out here, there's a couple of things that I really, really want to hammer home. And the first thing is just this idea that consistency over time equals brand. Consistency over time equals brand. So again, if you're a retailer and you want to create a new brand for yourself, it's not just the colors that you use. It's not just the font that you use. It's all of that put together with your messaging deployed over and over and over and over again until the consistency over time becomes a brand, an imprint on someone. Donald Miller talks a lot about, you know, when a cow gets branded, you don't brand the cow and then pull the brand out, turn it and stick it in the cow again. And then you decide you'd actually want a different brand. So you stick that brand on top of the first one that you had. It's a disgusting mess. It's the same thing with the way that your company is presented. There has to be consistency to it. And, you know, for for us, as, as we've tried to think really intentionally about this podcast and about the Firetime Magazine and putting together the Firetime Journal, we've, we've really tried to be intentional about how do we want people to feel? What is the message that we want people to hear week after week after week after week after week until it becomes permanently ingrained and they feel a certain way about the podcast or about the magazine or whatever it is. So the same thing is true visually. You know, one thing that I thought was really, really cool is how Christy talked about this idea of bright colors, high contrast and negative space. That's part of our brand with the Firetime magazine. And again, you know, as, as we were looking at this, we felt like bright colors was the right move because the Firetime magazine is digital 
it's on a lit screen. So that tends to bode really well for bright colors, which means it'll pop. It means that there will be a punch to it just because of those colors. High contrast. You know, we want the content to stand out. We want it to be easy to read. We want it to be something that's impactful. And so that was an intentional decision to make every issue that way. And then finally, to use negative space. You know, I, I, I truly, if you if you look at, you know, every issue of the Firetime Magazine, one of the things that Christy does so well is the design is very simple and there's a lot of empty space. But in addition to that, the way that she frames out the articles is she highlights certain quotes from every article with the intention being that if you scroll through an article and only read the highlighted sections, you'll get the gist of the article. Now, that, that's that's a way that we've approached it. Now, we've, we've put a lot of thought into that. And again, as you read it for the first time, you very well may not think those things. But over time, it does start to make an imprint. Well, your company is the same way. When, when you send emails to your customers, when you put together a promotion for the springtime, you know, these things will make an imprint on people if you are consistent with your messaging and your design. And, and that's truly how we create a brand. I think that, you know, very often we want to jump to the finish line and immediately rebrand our company. And it takes time. We can draw everything up, but we need to deploy it and then continue to be faithful to that same messaging, to that same design again and again and again until it sticks. And like Christy said, you can obviously make tweaks and things along the way. I also thought her example of your brand being a personality is really, really good. You know, when when she mentioned asking that question, you know, if your brand was a personality, what would its favorite company be? Who would its best friend be? That's a really, really good way to think about your company, right? If your retail store was a person, what company would they look up to? Who would their best friend be? If your manufacturer was a personality, who would their best friend be? And again, for many companies in our industry, they have no brand because there hasn't been any consistency in the design and in the messaging to actually make an imprint. Instead, it's it's just a sloppy mess. You know, thinking about your brand as a, as a personality is really, really good because your, your personality, you know, it, it, it evolves over time, but it really doesn't change like really, really quickly on a dime. And I, I think that that's true for our, our companies as well. You know, finally, when we talked about photography, this is a big one. And Truly, I, I think for us, you know, back at the beginning when I was at Fireside, you know, six years ago and I mentioned that photo shoot that we did at my house, there was no one else to volunteer in the company. So, you know, my family volunteered. And at the time, we, we, we paid a, a, you know, a chunk of money to get these photos done. And it seems like, well, why would you make that investment when you've got all this manufacturer photography? But I can't tell you how important it was for us to have believable photos, you know, of happy people enjoying their fireplace a dog in front, it's not scripted, it's not staged, and there's something about the believability of photography that creates a connection, and that's what Christy was talking about, is that when photography is believable, we feel something, we want to be those people, we want to live that life, we see a better version of what our lives could be, and we're inspired to take action, and I will tell you, like, there are so many good photographers out there, and Truly, like it's worth finding someone who 
can just be there for your company to do this. And truly, you don't have to spend tons and tons and tons of money. You just need to get people that are willing to be themselves in front of your products and shoot that. It's, it's amazing what you can get out of it. You know, what, what we found in fireplaces, especially as Christy's, you know, photographed the HPB Expo and, and different events that we've, that we've been at. She photographed the Firetime Workshop and things like that. You know, we found that very often with, with fireplaces, our industry photoshops everything. And it's weird because the flames in the fireplaces look horrible when they're photoshopped. They don't, they don't look real. And we found that just by shooting real flames, like, it's awesome. It looks real. And, and yeah, like maybe the flame is not perfect, but like we talked about, the focus of your ad should not be the flame. Your product, like Christy said, can be blurry in the background. And that's great because it means that your product is not the hero. It's supporting the people who are the hero and that's your customer. So, you know, for me, I think it's just such a good reminder to step out of the way and to put first things first, which is the problems we solve for our customer, making them the hero, and just thinking, anytime I put together a piece of marketing, how can I make this good news for the person that's going to be seeing it? So I thought that was a great conversation, and I hope that you got a ton of value out of it. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. And truly, we are thankful for the people that support this podcast week in and week out. I've mentioned before that, you know, Napoleon quietly and behind the scenes has supported this podcast for a long time and it, and it and it truly means the world that you guys believe in this content and that you contribute to help us continue to put it out and it and it truly means the world we we are we are floored by it and, and we don't take it lightly so as we turn the corner into our next episode we are going to start talking with peak performers in our industry folks who are really running at a full stride. But until we get to that conversation next week, I want you to put some thought into what me and Christy talked about. And think about one thing you can do this week in your marketing, in your branding, in your advertising that will be good news for your customers. If you can do that, you're going to win. Hope you guys have an amazing week and we'll talk again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by InBloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into burn. Burn.